0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Omnia performance podcast with myself Fergus Crawley and without Johnny as he has some family commitments that means he can't be here today but in his stead we have the handsome, the intelligent, the wonderful, drum roll, please Dr. Phil Price mm. say hello to the people. Hello everyone. So today we are going to record two podcasts, in fact, so you'll get this exact same intro in the next episode, but just just some fair warning there, it's just going to be myself and Phil, but we're going to cover Mm -hmm. why aerobic fitness is the foundation of all fitness in this episode, and then the next episode we're going to talk about why everybody should be doing some sort of resistance training, and yes, we mean everybody so before we go any further usual podcast stuff you'll be sick to death of hearing me talk about this now but just do it, it makes everybody's life easier I'll maybe at some point eventually stop doing these introductions where i ask you to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on check out youtube if you prefer visual listening which i think is Oxyboron, but we will move on and make sure to rate and review the show and share it with a friend as all those things are great and make us both smile very much and if you are looking at us on the video you'll see me smiling now cheers everyone so (laughs) phil aerobic adaptation do you want to just give us a bit of an overview of what the aerobic system is and uh, let's lay out terms let's let's set the scene
1: scene for the people Hmm. okay try and I know in the previous podcast, we've discussed the differences between the aerobic system and the anaerobic system. Um, Ultimately, with the aerobic system, you are utilizing oxygen or uh, going through some oxidative processes to develop energy to be able to perform you know, function that could be movement, that could be just homeostasis in the body, um, but ultimately we are utilizing uh, oxygen. We are pretty much use, utilizing oxygen all the time uh, to perform because we're obviously breathing all the time to perform functions. But obviously, when we increase the intensity, all of a sudden we need to sort of draw and uh, or develop uh, energy much more quickly so we start utilizing other processes like the glycolytic pathways which start to utilize you know definitely carbohydrates as a source as an example with the atp pcr system uh which you know requires it generates atp very quickly we generate atp very quickly Um, but ultimately everything like that is underpinned by our ability to utilize the oxidative system Um, so that is our aerobic base Um, and it kind of is the foundation because whatever you're doing you are um have some form of submaximal exercise and your ability to utilize oxygen for energy underpins your base to then be able to perform higher intensities so that's why it ends up being so important so there's kind of the the differences that's why I, I kind of keep it as simple as possible uh rather than going into distinctly where how this atp is regenerated for energy you know just try and keep it as like okay we need you need to utilize energy through the oxidative system to create energy to perform movement and function once we start increasing intensity we start adding in other methods to try and regenerate this atp so and just for context system. as well it's important to mention that
0: this isn't just within the realm of training this is day-to-day existence, us walking up a hill, walking to the corner shop Mm. to get some milk or picking a book up off the floor is all in some way activating, utilizing our aerobic system. So we've spoken a lot on this podcast and on the internet about zones. So to bring it back to purposes of training, for those listening that might be a bit new to understanding these energy systems or how they apply to them, or maybe even new to zones, essentially zone one is existence. I think it's fair to say maybe... Maybe you're writing. Maybe that exists ex- 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 a little, yeah. little bit more than just existing. Zone two is, I mean, zone one's a little bit more than that. You could walk and you'll be in zone one. So I'm being flippant. Sorry, everyone. I'll, I'll rein it in. Zone two is the sort of zone where you're kind of moving. You're probably executing a motor pattern. And you're, you're, you, you can sustain that for a long period of time. That's almost purely aerobic function. So that's where we do a lot of base building, a lot of work, and we'll speak a lot, speak about it an awful lot as as the foundation of what most people's training should be. So you might have heard of eighty twenty that's on the premise that 80% of your work mm. is done in zone two, zone three, you're then essentially combining a bit more of the aerobic and the anaerobic system. And we're moving into sort of tempo runny sub threshold pace. So if you were doing some rep work for a five kilometer sort of training plant or something like that, zone four is where you start to get a little bit of that metallic taste in your mouth. Cause there's more of an anaerobic effect going on. Your aerobic system is still underpinning this, but you're moving more towards the anaerobic end of things. And then as we're moving into zone five, it's sort of getting towards the, the sort of full, full send, sort of creatine phosphate system. But then beyond that, we've got the lifting side of things, whereby we're going to be moving into the real specific, real, real concentrated dosage of energy production, which means that we're going to be almost using entirely creatine phosphate system. So is that is that a fair sort of really poorly explained hierarchy, Phil? I've kind of gone through the glossary you know, quite poorly. I, I,
1: but- I, I think that's brilliant. Uh, Funny enough, there's so many different ways to define these zones, and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that it's actually quite hard to pinpoint exactly where these thresholds are. Because if you did some kind of physiological measurement to see it, it would just like a curve. So it's like, well, where's this? Where in this curve does it suddenly, you know, look like what you see in textbooks? Uh, but ultimately, um, what is separating these zones are physiological changes, uh, and the, the key pe- ones that uh, seem to be of importance for everyone especially when it comes to sort of like you said the 80 20 running is that difference between zone three uh two and three uh and the zone three and four Um they're often defined uh differently uh, but that's usually based on what you are using to measure where these thresholds are so you could use lactate you could use the ventilatory system um a various a variety of different uh, methods um, but ultimately what's quite handy is if you could define at least for you however you do it you know the difference between zone two and three and three and four in the literature you might have read this as the moderate the heavy and the severe domain um purely because of what they are kind of defining what changes happen in each one so for you to really define what zone two is because obviously that's the theme of this uh podcast, it's the area or the intensity that you can maintain where your processes, where that through oxidation, you know, you're developing waste products, uh, lactate, you know, all of those types of things. The body will then utilize lactate, lactate acts as a signaling molecule as well. Uh, but ultimately, and well, it might get rid of stuff in the blood, you know, the removal of waste products. But the development of waste products usually equals what's been taken away by the body um so it's that's why it's, it's easy work you can kind kind of develop this uh, homeostasis um and <clears throat> ideally you want that threshold to be quite high. so for example, say me and you are are running uh, I'm running at uh 10 kilometer hour pace uh, and you're running at 12 kilometer hour pace if our lactate levels, are relatively the same that means you have a uh a lactate threshold that's probably much higher which is very advantageous because you can run faster but still maintain that ability to whatever you produce is getting removed by the body um so that's really really quite handy and one of the reasons why it's important to try and define because if it, through training we could try and shift this threshold over to the right so that means um Even if you're, say, if I trained and move from 10 to 12, and then get to a point where I'm still maintaining this level of homeostasis, that means I've improved my efficiency, which is really quite important for especially long distance running. Um, So that's one of the reasons why we want to try and have a really good aerobic engine, because we can maintain this level of um, homeostasis um, at much higher intensities or Speeds or powers. So, yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, what you kind of described in terms of, uh, you know, zone two and three is really quite important because, you know, you could be training and accidentally be. You, what you feel is easy, but you're actually in zone three. So then you're not really training your aerobic system as as effectively as you potentially could be. Um, you see it quite a lot. People have designed oh, this is my easy recovery run, and it's you know it feels <coughs> easy CrossFit. in terms of um, uh, um, uh, like heart rate, but it actually isn't. It's very common in CrossFit. Yeah, it was
0: a peak pandemic. I saw screenshots all over Instagram of easy recovery run one seven one heart rate. <laughs> I was like, I
1: don't, I don't think so. So yeah, that's my the mean. Um, <laughs> and then the, the peak uh, heart rate was like one nine one. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I think that there's there's a lot that I want to sort of unpack from what you've just said there. One is a bit anecdotal, just to give this a bit of context. So mm. when I first started training like this, when I came from meathead powerlifter to the hybrid athlete I claim to be these days, my max heart rate we sort of tested in a quite controlled setting, and it came out at one eight nine, and that was me seeing God. And that was my perception of absolute max effort, peak performance. Mm. That's all I had to give. Whereas since then, I've had heart rate strap readings come in at 207. So essentially I haven't actually, the perception of how hard I've been working hasn't increased by whatever that is. 17, 18 points. I can't even remember what the first number was. What did I say? 189? Yeah, 189. Mm. Plus, yeah, no, no, I'm not going to do a podcast. That's mm. risky. You can do it at home yourself. And... Essentially, all I've done is raise the baseline. So, there was a period where zone two for me would sort of bottom out at 141. One, so, anything above that would be sort of knocking into zone three, maybe pushing towards sub threshold. Whereas now, 1515152 five, one five is sort of the parameters that I work with for my zone two stuff. And I can feel that. So, I think what you said about moderate, hard, severe, I'd probably counter and say it'd be great for people to get to a trained state, which wouldn't take much work at all it just requires a bit of familiarity with what things feel like for zone two to be easy, zone three to be moderate and zone four to be hard. And then anything above that to be full send sort of Slipknot, wait and bleed, look ready, set go is kind of the way i describe that. So, but that that's the, from our training with Omnia, we kind of, we don't give heart rate parameters for zone five. That's very much effort perception where we'll say max effort, hard effort, or give people specific paces to work within. We're only really looking at the heart rate data If it's repetitive reps over time and want to see sort of what stage it gets to in, in terms of that pattern, but the zones in the middle, as you've said, is where most people get it wrong, because when they're doing an easy run without having any metrics to track, they're probably maybe doing a moderate run and a moderate run carries with it a higher residual fatigue a higher impact transient. And if you're a hybrid athlete, you're going to be heavier, which means that that impact transient is going to have more of an impact on your joints, which means it's going to have more of an impact in your lifting. And if you do that over six weeks before you deload, you're going to be in a significantly higher state of residual fatigue than you would be. Were you actually training at a true zone two level, which is why things like being on the bike is -hmm. great because it's actually a lot more work to get up to that top end of zone two, if you're not familiar with doing time on the bike. And also you're removing that impact transient. So there's lots of things to consider here, but essentially bear with me on this. I have two, two little metaphors that I'm going to run with, and I'm not yet sure which one's best. So everybody can form their own opinions. Phil, you can, you can be the, you can be the panel for this one. So metaphor number one, we're building a house. Putting foundations in, as far as I'm aware is quite a monotonous process, but it's one that needs to happen. It's the case of digging the hole measuring things out mixing the concrete pouring it in letting it set and from there you can do the glamorous stuff the exciting stuff you can build these big sexy roman pillars that you paid out your eyeballs for and all all these things you can go to that designer window shop that your wife's been begging you to go to and spend out on those windows (laughs) and that's more exciting and that's what we're drawn to we're drawn to the intervals Mm -hmm. we're drawn to the track work we're drawn to all this but none of that's relevant unless the foundations are there in the first place And all you're really doing is elevating and building your baseline up to a point that is then suitably prepped to be able to tolerate the building process of other things. And that's then where a lot of mistakes are made because people are trying to go to the window shop before the foundations have set, for example, because intensity increases injury risk, intensity increases fatigue. And where from our experience, a lot of people get it wrong is they focus far too much on anaerobic and creating phosphate based fitness rather than actually understanding the true value of zone two and aerobic fitness that underpins all of that. Metaphor number two in the same vein, you have a corporate structure whereby you have several several departments and several functions that all serve different purposes within the business. And through that you have, let's say an HR department, a committee that, that sort of understands what all these purposes are for and therefore how much to implement them within the business for the broader mission of said business. And we'll treat it as a board, actually. We'll go with the board, forget the HR department, Mm -hmm. the board. And without that underpinning, it doesn't matter how effective one of the sales departments or the engineering department or whatever they're doing is in their own line of work, because it's not underpinned by the recovery, by the fatigue, by the overall foundation that allows that adaptation to occur and for everybody to sort of sing together and sing in harmony and in sync. So. It's laying bricks and laying baselines. I think the housing analogy was better, to be honest. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll stick with that. But I think you can look at this in many ways, but it's impossible to ignore the fact that aerobic fitness underpins everything, even from a strength point of view, because your recovery between sets, your overall tolerance for volume, your overall tolerance for intensity is going to steadily increase without much compromise on fatigue because zone two work can be done by walking uphill. It can be done, I mean, it can be done by just walking for some people, which isn't a bad thing. It just means that your relative starting point is one that has a lot of room for growth. And in my mind, that's fantastic because you've got a lot of gains to be had in the short term. Whereas if you're at the stage where you're running eight minute miles at 140 heart rate, you're very, very fit. And as we'll discuss in the next episode, that's potentially where more resistance training might be valuable. But It depends what angle you're coming at this from, whether it's a hybrid or a a specific athletics point of view. So Mm. to really tie in my mishmash of examples there, essentially the foundation of fitness is zone two and aerobic work. It's not very glamorous. It's not very stylish. It's not very exciting. It's not what people Mm. think of when they think, oh, I'm going to really work hard and get my head Mm. down and beat the next guy. It's actually the stuff that goes on behind closed doors. It's the sort of silent athlete, the person doing their work with the head down that's actually getting this done that is giving themselves that advantage. And sales function, to go back to my corporate example, sales functions are only as useful as the parameters in which they operate. And if the legal department's telling them, no, you can't send off that contract, we haven't done this, and the compliance isn't that and all this, then you're actually treading water. And why would you want to redline and have a terrible time on the track If you're only going to effectively tread water in terms of adaptation, because as I've said, injury risk, joint impact, desired adaptation intent of the training session is all compromised. If you don't give zone two and aerobic work, the credit it deserves in terms of underpinning all this. Hmm. So what an incredibly convoluted ramble that was to make a simple point that zone (laughs) two training is quite important.
1: I got it. I like the house one definitely because yeah, it, it highlights it? It the bad. key key thing. Um, I I was reading work by endurance coach called Alan Cousins recently, and he was saying how a lot of the lactate data that was seen, for example, of a CrossFit athlete who was then doing uh, a ramp test, uh, they would go from like walking just to jogging and all of a sudden they would cross that first threshold. So they would, you know, their zone two is really low. Was their so, tolerance, tolerance at that point really, really solid though? Uh, I, I can't remember because technically it was only a tweet. It was a, a series, a thread of tweets. Ah, yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the reliable yeah. source of information. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's it highlighted a few things that I've heard from a number of other coaches that have seen similar things where a lot of CrossFit athletes, because they're only training high-intensity CrossFit, that their body automatically goes into zone three and four, even if they're doing very light work. So their body has no ability to sort of act in zone two. So just going from a walk to jog, the body's like, okay, right, back into, it would assume that it's doing a um, zone three or four intensity type session when it's not so and that's really problematic because once you get into that zone three particularly four you really have a limited uh capacity for work there and and that's why people are starting to see long-term injuries from you know doing way too much moderate running is because yeah you've got a limited capacity to to work in that zone there's nothing wrong with going into that zone it needs to be trained but if you do all your work in that, that zone then all of a sudden you predispose yourself to running or ruling sorry uh making your battery run out your capacity starts to of the tissues start to get worse just because they're so tired the fatigue factor you know becomes a big issue Uh, and people don't see these problems until much much later which is one of the issues is because oh you can train really hard all the time you can in the short term but you can't in the long term and it was actually, um, uh, this was a reason why I've actually sold my High ticket for uh, the, w- the weekend. I was going to do the pro men's and I, I've had like we were saying just before we came on this uh, on this podcast, I've had a bit of a nightmare 10 days just with work. But uh, the, one of the main reasons was that uh, when I did High Rocks for the second time uh, four weeks ago, I managed to improve my time but by like 15 seconds. And I knew that if I wanted to improve my time four weeks later, it was highly unlikely because the issue was I needed to develop my aerobic endrin much better. One, because I needed to become much more efficient with my runs and two, if I developed my aerobic fitness better then my recovery post the, indi- the individual uh, events uh, you're familiar with the high rocks isn't it it's 1k run then you've got to do like a skier 1k run so my recovery after each of those individual individual events would get better uh, and you can't really train that in four weeks i could do much more um high rock specific training as you know okay create a training session which kind of mimics what they do in high rocks and that's good if you're peeking towards a particular event but the issues i needed were the base work so that's what was going to improve those specific sessions if i did them you know in in an eight months time so the motivation to really push for uh high rocks this coming saturday was really low because it's like well if i want to improve i need to work on this but the adaptations from doing all this low intensity work probably wouldn't really feel it until four or five months much down the line because the physiological system takes time to adapt you know we're looking at changes in Um, you know your cardiac output you're looking at changes in your ability to for your blood vessels to dilate around your muscles so they can provide that oxygenated blood and that doesn't happen from just hammering it with the high intensity work that happens from doing all that zone two work where you can contract, relax, contract, relax, doing submaximal exercise to allow the oxygenated blood to, you know, get to the muscles and then diffuse into the, into the muscles. So, yeah, I mean that, I guess even my Instagram posts recently have been arguing that we should be building this base and it's what a lot of people lack. It's because it's what I lack and I need to, I need to go through my wintering phase um, to, you know, develop those qualities.
0: So this raises an interesting question because there's potentially a misconception in the industry and just logically that cardio Metcons, because you're out of breath, because your heart rate is elevated because it's sustained and elevated that you are in a certain heart rate zone or you are Mm. working aerobically and therefore you will adapt aerobically through doing so that isn't entirely or even mostly the case. Is it? Because, the adaptation that's being elicited, whilst the heart the heart rate is a byproduct, essentially. So I, I'm not gonna try and explain it without letting you do so. Mm. But my understanding in as simple as possible terms before you show your intelligence is that the heart rate elevation is a byproduct of the movements being performed, but the actual stimulus physiologically is eliciting a separate adaptation. So this is why METCONS or Hyrox as an example you've given why if you're just sitting in that zone four constantly, you're not actually going to be able to translate that to let's say a 45 minute tempo run in zone four because the specificity of movement and the sustained heart rate in terms of where that heart rate is being elisted, elevated heart rate is being elicited from, the mechanism isn't the same. So this is why potentially some people might get a rude awakening when it comes to testing their zone two or testing their zone three or four or going for a five kilometer time trial for the first time since they were 16 years old thinking because they do a lot of Metcons because they Mm. do sets of 12 that they've got the engine, they need to get through it. When in fact the heart rate elevation, the out of breath effect is coming from a different mechanism entirely. So do you want to just explain in more scientific terms why that is the case?
1: Yeah. I'll explain it in terms of Metcons and why they don't always necessarily improve, uh, zone two type physiological adaptations. So, quite often what you'll find is um the say a crossfit athlete uh quite often has quite good mitochondrial density so they have quite a good ability for the mitochondria the the powerhouses of the cell to go through the oxidative process the issue if they're only doing metcons is that they keep doing um types of sessions where they are developing a lot of muscular tension because they have to because they have to produce a lot of force for moving the weight in their uh given metcon um but that muscular force then creates a bit like a, a bit of a tourniquet on the on the muscle so the 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 capillaries around that muscle don't have that ability to expand so even though you've got these um, mitochondria, mitochondria that are you know good density there and and work pretty well we're not developing uh, enough oxygenated blood to the area because we're not allowing our blood vessels to that ability to expand so yeah you've got good, good good oxidative powerhouses but they're not getting as much oxidative blood that they potentially could get so to me that's probably one of the key things where um you know, when they do a Metcon, their heart rate gets so high, they're, they're, they're desperately trying to send blood to the area um, because the muscle requires it to generate energy. And then you're doing something which is technically stopping the um, uh, delivery of the blood and therefore the diffusion of the oxygen into the muscle so it can actually, the mitochondria can do what it needs to do. Um, so, yeah, that's probably why you get, you know, a huge heart rate increase because yes you're you know uh one if you're lifting a lot of weight that can affect your breathing patterns so that can make that uh much more difficult that's going to increase heart rate but also the fact that you're working very high intensity so the heart's just like get my get blood to the area i need it to work and you know it's um not working as well as it could purely because you've only done that type of training if you know what i mean Um, so that's why it's important if you're a crossfit athlete to have all of that zone two training especially if you had an off season because that improves your ability to yes increase the mitochondrial function but also increase the ability of the blood vessels to dilate and then once you've got those qualities and then take it into a crossfit environment even better and the main benefit of zone two
0: that we haven't necessarily covered is that the increased caloric expenditure makes a lot of room for brownies and pizza if you are that way inclined. So I think we've covered a lot of the top line stuff, but maintain the real key point, which is that whatever level of athlete you are, whatever style of athlete you are, you will benefit from a more efficient zone two Mm. and aerobic system as it is the foundation of all fitness. So hopefully we've made our case clear. If we haven't, or you would like to learn more about the topic, then please do head to the link in the show notes down below where you can sign up for Omnia Performance Premium where we have a whole database of education being rolled out over the next 12 months. We've got a couple of lectures live already. We've got a couple of seminars going live very soon. We have a research database that's being slowly populated. We have a chat room for all of our premium education members and there are premium podcast features and opportunities to ask more questions around specifics we mentioned in here in there. So do get involved if you are not yet already. Phil is dropping knowledge bombs as we go and is in fact recording lecture number three tomorrow. So for mm-hmm. our existing members, keep your eyes and ears peeled for our soon to be existing in the future tense, but in the past, Phil's doing another lecture. I've, I've lost my mm-hmm. train of thought here. Anyway, that is that. Just a quick reminder to do all of the podcasty things and thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time.